CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, December 3rd. It's just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank uh, our sponsors for sponsoring this program. Seems about the right thing to do. The Chicago Reader sponsors this show. For more information, uh, and just go check out the Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com, and subscribe. A great way to help this program out is subscribing to the Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. All the things you need to know about the city of Chicago. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Chicago Reader, for keeping the Ben Jarofsky Show alive. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ben, your song of the day, it does come from Frank. It's Turn the Beat Around by Vicki Sue Robinson. Hmm. I can't believe I know this song. This is kind of an obscure song, Frank. You're really uh, taking a deep dive. Turn the beat around. Come on. Come on, D. Da, 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 da. Oh, my God. Dennis is doing a break dance. Da, 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 da. Yeah, he's doing a one-man conga line in his apartment. Woo, turn the beat around. I'll do the bass. Oh man, my floor's dirty. I was just breakdancing on my floor there. Wiped myself off. Yeah. That was horrible singing. The Ben Jarofsky show starts now. <laughs> it is Thursday, December 3rd. And live from my apartment in his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky show. Today on the program, 33rd Ward Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this the Rich Get Richer Thursday, and here's why. The update info on PPP was released the other day, and the winner is... Rich people. Who else? What do you think? Poor people are going to get a break? Explanation time. PPP stands for Paycheck Protection Program. Oh, no. I'm already losing your interest. All you have to do is explain an acronym and eyes glaze over. So let me just say this. PPP stands for sex. All right. That woke you up. PPP is the program that Dems and Republicans agreed to last spring to help out businesses that have been slammed by the pandemic. The way it works is this. The businesses apply for a forgivable loan, which means you don't have to pay the loan back. So it's like free money. It's supposed to help the neediest, most vulnerable of businesses, as I said, who are slammed hard by the pandemic. But instead, it went to the, you guessed it, richest of the rich. Or as the New York Times put it, quote, 1% of the program's 5.2 million borrowers received more than a quarter of the $523 billion dispersed. Wow. Uh Uh-oh. Those sounds you hear are people snoring because all you have to do to lose the average interest of the average person is to run a bunch of numbers at them. Then it's... It works better than counting sheep. I know this because I've done a lot of TIFF stories over the years, ladies and gentlemen. People go, oh, my God, it's so boring. (laughs) Uh, How does the New York Times know all this information about PPP? Because a federal judge, James Boesberg, forced the Trump administration to release the info. Why did it take a federal judge to force the Trump administration to do something it should have done on its own? Come on, man, to quote Joe Biden. Information is power. You hold on to what you got to keep the peasants in the dark. It's a trick President Trump learned 
from folks right here in Chicago, namely Mayor Rahm, who learned it from Mayor Daley, who learned it from his daddy. Actually, Mayor Lightfoot's also quite the practitioner of the hold on to information game, as we shall see. Ooh, that's called foreshadowing. Anyway, the SBA, Small Business Association, or administration, withheld specifics of who got what uh, from PPP. Some journalists sued, and the judge, Bosberg, ruled that, and I am quoting his ruling, the weighty public interest in disclosure easily overcomes the far narrower privacy interests of borrowers who collectively receive billions that's billions with a B. He didn't actually say that, but I cannot resist. Of taxpayer dollars in loans, end of quote. And so the information was released, enabling geeks across the country to put it into a computers and figure out stuff like, drumroll please, quote, the companies that receive the maximum 10 million PPP loan include dozens of restaurant chains, such as Ted's Montana Grill, which was started by Ted Turner, TGI Fridays, P.F. Chang's, Black Angus Steakhouse, and Legal Seafoods. They took advantage of an exception that the restaurant industry lobbied for to make chains eligible for the aid money. Someone should tell Sam Toya about that. Someone should tell that because we're supposed to be looking out for the small ma-pa restaurant owners, not the big daddy ones. The New York Racing Association also uh, got money. It operates Aqueduct Racing, Saratoga Racecourse, and Belmont Park, the home of Belmont Stakes. They also received the maximum loan. Other information I've learned is that prominent law firms like Boys, Schiller, Flexner, the high-power price firm run by David Boyce and Mark Kasowitz, funded and run by President Trump's longtime personal lawyer, yes, Mark Kasowitz, collected 10 million dollars how about that donnie trump's lawyer feeding at the trough and then this also from the new york times the data shows how federal money flowed to tenants of mr trump's properties like 40 wall street a commercial skyscraper in lower manhattan nearly 100 businesses listed an address in that building collecting loans totaling more than 34 million dollars and finally my personal favorite quote The largest loan in the Trump-owned building went to Atani Engineers, a contractor that changed its name in 2018 after a corruption scandal that culminated when two former top executives pleaded guilty to paying bribes for city infrastructure contracts. And Trump and Giuliani are railing about corruption in the cities like Pennsylvania and Philadelphia and Milwaukee and Detroit. Right in their own building, Donald. Uh, the company, which received, which pays $2.5 million a year for its rent to Donald Trump, received a $7.6 million loan, which it said supported 235 workers. The firm did not respond to messages seeking comment. <laughs> Big surprise there. Well, it just seems that some people know how to play the game real well. I'd like to point out that many of these recipients are undoubtedly Republicans who raise their fists in rage when they hear that some poor guy got a food stamp on the grounds that giving out money to people strips them of an incentive to work. But of course, those are the rules that apply for poor people as opposed to the rules that apply to themselves. I'd also like to point out that the money uh, to uh, Donald's lawyer is coming at the same time that Donald Trump is raising millions for his legal bills. So as I kind of tie these two stories together, I come to this conclusion. If Trump supporters have money to to donate to Donald Trump's legal campaign, they obviously have enough money to pay their payroll and they don't need a handout from the feds. So I'm proposing that the next PPP handout should exempt anyone who donated money to Donald Trump. I think that's fair. I think MAGA can agree with that. That would give all of these Donald Trump supporters even more incentive to stop whining and get back to work. We got a great show today, everybody. Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez of the 33rd Ward will be here. She's not taking any handouts from the feds. She's not giving any money to Donald Trump's legal campaign. She's an honest, hardworking alderwoman who voted no on the budget, uh, and uh, she's going to explain her vote 
uh, the mayor's budget, I should say. And uh, she's going to explain why progressives and lefties uh, should be very wary of what's going down, politically speaking, uh, in the city of Chicago. If they believe in fairly uh, distributing the money uh, that we gather every year from taxpayers uh, to pay our bills and obligations. So I'm looking forward to a conversation with Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez. Uh, and she she initiated this one, D. She heard our interview with Dave Gloetz, which is doing a very popular interview. Dave and I break down the budget, the budget debate. Two geeks. Uh, that, that's how I put it uh, on our uh, website. Two geeks take the deep dive. <laughs> and they don't get any geekier than Dave Gloatz and Ben Jarofsky, that's for sure. Uh, and Dr. D did a great job of playing various uh, recordings of aldermen making speeches in front of the mayor. A few comments from the mayor. She got all choked up when Walter Burnett um, praised her. And uh, so a lot of fun. We uh, break that down. And Rosanna heard that. She goes, I want to weigh in. I said, come on the show, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez. And so she'll be uh, coming on the show at about 2 o'clock. So uh, plenty of political talk ahead. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man that uh, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez fondly calls Dr. D with the news. Oh, what? oh, sorry, sorry. All those numbers and letters, I wasn't paying attention there. Sorry about that. <laughs> it happens to the best of them. How's it going, everybody? My name's Dennis. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin in Chicago, and we begin with Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, good afternoon, <laughs> Madam Mayor. Today, Mayor Lightfoot was at the Office of Emergency Management and Communications at 9 a.m. to promote the services and resources available to keep residents safe during the winter months. Hey, remember that time when the Chicago teachers went on strike? And Mayor yes. Lightfoot, oh, you do, you remember it, yeah. And Mayor Lightfoot's days and nights consisted solely of sitting down at the bargaining table trying to cut a deal with the CTU. Yes. What about uh, Jesse Sharkey, Chicago Teachers Union president? You remember that, don't you? I um. <laughs> right now, um. Oh, oh, we couldn't hear you. Anyway, uh, well, we've learned something new about the Chicago teacher strike that's over a year old now, and if you're the mayor. It's not the most flattering news. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woe Man Spielman, a top mayoral aide, apologized Wednesday for making a joke out of the 11-day teacher strike by sending an email offering to bet Mayor Lori Lightfoot and top mayoral aides about when the strike would end. The embarrassing email that was first reported by the Chicago Tribune, who took to the courts to get to this email. Uh, ben will have more on that in moments. But uh, let's check uh, this email out here and get a little bit of a backstory. Uh, the email was between Mayor Lightfoot and Mike Frisch, the mayor's chief in house labor negotiator. Uh, I don't know how much long he'll be that after this, though. But uh, in the subject line of the email exchanged during the strike, Frisch wrote, confirming our agreement. The email read, quote, the bet, three cigars and a bottle of scotch of the winner's choosing. Boy, she loves that scotch. <laughs> yeah, man. The under, strike ends before next Wednesday. The over, strike extends past Wednesday. Uh, in an obvious reference to Maurice Klassen, the mayor's chief of staff, Frisch then wrote, Frisch and Maurice have the under. MLL, which I'm assuming means Mayor Lori Lightfoot, has the over. Now no one can back out. After the email was released, Frisch issued an apology saying, quote, My email reflected a failed attempt on my part to inject some levity into a high-stress, tense, and serious situation. There was no actual bet. This was intended to be a joke that clearly did not land. It was in poor taste, and I apologize. Although Lightfoot was among those who received the email, she never responded and does not have any recollection of it. Uh, that's according to the mayor's office. Thank God she was busy at that luncheon. You know what I mean? <laughs> she loves luncheons, everybody. <laughs> CTU President Jesse Sharkey did respond, and to no surprise... Sharky wasn't feeling it. Ben, I'll read Sharky's response, and then I'll kick it to you. Sharky said, quote, 
It sort of shows why we have been having such a difficult time with the mayor on the question of a safe reopening of schools. There was a degree of disregard for the seriousness of the situation with a joke. There's a kind of irreverence there about something that we considered to be quite serious at the time. And we're still seeing a degree of disregard to what we view as very legitimate concerns involving schools. The mayor has shown herself in her kind of personal proclivities, the scotch and cigars, the kind of insider jokes and hardball and foul mouth to be a very different kind of politician than she said she was when she was running. For someone who said, quote, bring in the light, I'm going to be <laughs> I'm going to be an anti-machine politician. There's a lot of machine features there. Time out. Did he say proclivities? Yes. Oh, my God. Jesse. You're taking the deep dive in those big words, man. I'm gonna have to look that one up. I had to, uh, I had to stop jerky. myself to make sure I said it right. Proca- <laughs> Procli- proclivities, no, yes. Jesse's a smart guy. Uh, as I recall, he was a history teacher at Sen High School before he went into the union stuff. All right, so much to unpack here. I, this is my favorite story in a long, long time. Gave me a big smile. And before I begin, Dean, I need to make uh, a confession here. Uh, and a confession. Uh, yes, I must make a confession. You're kidding me. I, Ben Jarofsky, eight years ago, made a sort of a similar wager with a, <laughs> a Chicago Teachers Union official who I will not name other than to say her first name is Karen and her last name is Lewis. Oh, Wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> Do you, remember, do you remember that uh, uh, Larry David episode? Oh, my God, it's so funny, where he's talking to his psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist is talking about, uh, Larry, I'm going to tell you about another patient of mine, and I don't want to name him, uh, except that I'll just say that he's the director of Star Wars. Anyway, and then he says something <laughs> scandalous, and Larry David's like, wait a minute, you, you, you just named him. It's, I don't know. Every now and then when I'm kind of blue, I just put that one on and that little YouTube clip went on. It makes me smile and I forget what I was blue about. Anyway. I know this guy. He's a real crazy hippie. Let's just say he's a columnist for the Chicago Reader, all right? Yeah, I know this guy. A political columnist who writes about tiffs? Don't want to say who he is. Uh, so anyway, I made a bet with one Karen Jennings Lewis, a dear friend of mine. Hope you're doing well, Karen. And uh, it was before the teachers went on strike. We were having a conversation. And I go, Karen, I don't believe there will be a strike in Chicago. And she goes, well, I think there will be. The Mayor Rob's not budging. I go, I cannot believe that President Barack Obama, who's running for re-election, would allow a teacher strike in his hometown you know, while he's running for re-election. This is in 2012. And I think that somebody in the Obama administration will make a phone call to somebody at City Hall and say, Ron, what the hell are you doing? So we made a bet. Mm-hmm. We bet dinner. And guess what? There was a strike. I lost. And uh, <laughs> after the strike, I had to take Karen out to dinner. We had a blast. But uh, so, you know, I shouldn't be critical of Mayor Lori Lightfoot and what's the guy's name? Michael Fritch. Frisch. Frisch. Her, uh, Frisch. Yes. They call him Frisch. Frisch. Sticks. Frisch. Uh, Mike Frisch for making a bet. Come on, guys. Let's lighten up. All right. Uh, now I should also explain to some of my non-sports fans out there the over-under under concept, which I know I will screw up because I suffer from dyslexia, and I always get them mixed up. Where's Benji the bookie when I need him? He would always be coming to me. All right, Ben. Benny, you want to make a bet? It's the fourth quarter, all right? You, you want the over or you want the under? And I'd be like, all right, Benji, one more time. Explain to me what the difference is. Anyway, so it was a joke. You know, Frisch was feeling his inner Larry David. He was making a joke as he wrote that email. He was moving his hands to indicate it was a joke. Let's all lighten up. That said, <laughs> that said, a couple things. Number one, the animosity that uh, Lori Lightfoot has toward the Chicago Teachers Union knows no bounds. And I hear about it 
virtually every day, D, whenever I have a conversation with a politician, generally of the off the record persuasion, I have many of those all the time. And they go, Ben, you won't believe how much Lori Lightfoot hates the Chicago Teachers Union. Or Ben, I know you love Stacey Davis Gates, but you wouldn't believe how much they hate Stacey Davis Gates. By the way, interesting that the Sun-Times quoted uh, Jesse, but the Tribune quoted SDG. And that one paper has their own. Each paper has its own little, like, uh, source at the union. So, yeah, there's all this animosity, which I find really peculiar. And I wish that uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot would get over that election from 2019. Uh, we're going to be talking about this with uh, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez, sort of the mayor's attitude toward lefties. She really hates lefties. And, you know, the reality is there's a lot of them in the city of Chicago. So if like if you hate lefties, it's like 30 percent of the population. So, yes, if you're Lori Lightfoot or Rahm Emanuel or any of their political advisors, you could easily come to the conclusions that you'll win reelection, even if you like antagonize the hell out of lefties, because there's just not enough people of the lefty persuasion in the city of Chicago to win an election citywide. It's pretty obvious that's the case. And I say this as a person who is uh, on the uh, a lefty. There's no reason to hate him so much to have such contempt. And you, I, you would have to like psychoanalyze centrist Democrats to see why they have the disdain for lefties that they do. I think part of it is that they're ashamed because they know that their values, their professed values, lie with the lefties. But as soon as they come into office, they say, those are unrealistic. We're not even going to pretend to care about those values. We're going to ignore them. And then when they get criticism from the left, they get mad. And they say things like, you're unrealistic. You don't know how the game's played. I know how the game's played. I know how to cut a deal. And then they get, the more the lefties complain, the angrier and more aggressive the centrists become in their hatred and disdain for them. I saw it with Mayor Rahm, and now I'm watching it with Lori Lightfoot. And I know, Jesse has a point. I know Lori Lightfoot, she's a very smart and shrewd politician, even for a rookie, first time out. She knew how to talk to lefties. She came to the hideout. Lefty land, as I call it, my beloved hideout with me and McDumpkey. And she told us exactly what we wanted to hear and what the crowd wanted to hear. And the people were clapping and dummy that I am. <laughs> I voted for her because I thought she was a progressive. And all my lefty friends are like, oh, Mr. Smarty Pants, heck of a vote there. <laughs> and now in retrospect, I really... Wish I had voted for Neil Salas Griffin. You know how I had, you have that, you you voted for Diber, and I wish I voted for Diber in the primary. Now I'm like, Neil, I think Neil is hard as right. I just interviewed him. Uh, you can check out that show. He had no chance of winning, Neil Salas Griffin. But I think his heart's in the right place. I think that would have been the vote I should have made. Because Lori Lightfoot, you could say that, uh, what, she's capable. You could say that she's really, really smart. Uh, you could say that she's like a great symbol for Chicago to have uh, in the Trump uh, age and um, a black woman running the city. You could say all those things about her, but she's not a progressive. I mean, it's pretty obvious. She's not. And moreover, she can't stand progressives or lefties. I don't know what you call them, lefties or progressives. So it's pretty obvious. And her antipathy toward the Chicago Teachers Union is, it, 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 it's like getting in the way in so many ways. It's getting in the way. So here we have, uh, we have to try to figure out how to reopen the schools. I'll probably be writing a story about this. I've been talking to a lot of teachers lately and all the stress and the strain of trying to figure out how you bring the kids back to the schools and protect the teachers, how you have protect, particularly teachers who are most at risk of having serious complications if they get COVID. This is a very complicated endeavor that requires working in tandem with the teachers union who represent the teachers. No, that's not how we do it in Chicago. And I think part of it is that so many people are whispering in Lori Lightfoot's ear, well, the Tribune's not whispering and they're yelling it out. 
F the Chicago Teachers Union. Don't listen to them. They're a bunch of commies. They're a bunch of radicals. And so mayors, powerful mayors, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to let these lefties tell me what to do. I'm more powerful than them. So I'm really pleading with the mayor. Come on, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You're better than that. You don't have to be like Rom. You don't, you don't have to fight with the Chicago Teachers Union. There's nothing to be gained from that. I know Stacey Davis Gates. She's a good person. You can, I don't know if it's too late, but you could try to reach out to her. You know, the mayor said from the get-go, they're going to run a candidate against me. It's, it's like, they're going to run a candidate against me. Well, you know, you say it so much, it may happen. Where's the olive branch? The only time I ever see City Hall hold on an olive branch, they hit the teacher's union over the head with it. Mayor Lightfoot has responded, we may have an olive branch, Ben. I won't just turn the car around. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to shut oh, it off. No. I'm going to kick you out, no. and I'm going to make you walk home. That is not an olive yeah, branch. Yeah, that's not an olive branch. No. <laughs> There's no truth to the rumor that she was uh, talking to Stacey Davis-Gates when she said that. So, you know, that's my general feeling. The second part of the story that I find <laughs> just... <laughs> So, like, funny in a dark way is the lengths to which the mayor went to conceal this email. It's positively Rahm Emanuel-esque. And I want to give a shout-out to Gregory Pratt, the reporter to the Chicago Tribune. What an intrepid soul he is. Good job, Gregory Pratt. Dennis was quoting the Sun-Times rewrite of the Tribune story, but Gregory Pratt was the one who did all the work. And uh, apparently, he had filed a Freedom of Information quest trying to seek uh, emails from the mayor's office. Uh, He discovered that there was this one email. I'm just basing this on what was in his story that that was subtitled uh, titled Bet, uh, and that had not been released by the uh, administration. So he had to go to the attorney general's office to force the mayor to release it. I mean, this is what they do with FOIA laws, folks. We supposedly live in a democracy. And the mayor was saying, oh, no, Uh, this was uh, this falls under the category of getting advice from a lawyer. And we can't allow uh, the advice that a lawyer gives us uh, to be publicized. That would violate, what, the confidentiality uh, principles that govern a relationship between a lawyer and his client. Give Gregory Pratt the Chicago Tribune credit. They didn't fall for that. And they went to attorney, the attorney general's office, which is the, the mediator in such disputes, and the attorney general said, yeah, uh, release it. And so we release it. And what do we see? There's no advice being given by the the mayor's lawyer. It was a silly little joke. And the only reason they held on to it because it made them look bad. They should have just let it go. Okay, we made a bad joke. So as soon as it comes out, then, you know, the, the phone calls go to the PR handlers. What are we going to do? All right, here's what you're going to do. We're going to release a statement from Frisch saying how sorry he is, how it was a bad attempt at humor. And then we're going to release a statement that the, the mayor never saw it. She has nothing. She, it's the first time she's ever heard about it. <laughs> she doesn't know anything about it. I don't know, man. Oh, I you missed, you missed the final step, though. You missed the final step. Throw that, that fresh guy under the bus. That's coming up. <laughs> That's coming. Get ready, everybody. Yeah. Throw fresh. And I'm so sorry I did this. I will never do it again. And no, the final step will be if they ask Lori Lightfoot about it at a press conference, she'll get mad at the reporter. Go That's ahead. just ridiculous. Yeah, I have so many problems that I'm dealing with as mayor of the city of Chicago with COVID. And you're asking me a question about that? Remember how she got mad at the reporter? What was it about Kim Fox? How dare you try to don't cause trouble us. between him Kim? Don't bait us. Yeah, don't bait us. That was... So, you know, this is a story very revealing and very amusing on uh, many levels. But I'll just close with that transparency level. Things come and go in the city of Chicago. But that need to hold on to that information... Made people really struggle for. I always talk about it with Dave Gloetz and Mick Dumkey. These guys are always filing FOIA requests. Danny Mialopoulos got to give him some love too. And apparently, Greg Pratt. There's these really intrepid reporters who have to work so hard to get the city to turn over to the basic stuff that just should be turning over anyway. Ah, when you get to be the mayor, you don't want to reveal it. 
Could you imagine if somebody was trying to seek for a moment, T, the emails between Dr. D and me? Can you imagine our private emails? Oh, yeah, that <laughs> AOL account. You're always emailing. I don't even like email anymore. I'm a, more of a texture guy. Uh, I was funny little exchange with Rosanna. She sent me an email the other day saying, uh, yeah, I'd like to come on the show. So today I said, all right, I need your email address. Right, could you send it to me? She goes, oh, man, I sent you the email. Oh, sorry. I don't really like email. Anyway, come on, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Let the light in. Let the light in. Isn't that what she said in that speech, D? Yeah. Let yeah. the light in. Yeah. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's so funny. Uh, I, you know, I'm not an email guy. Yeah, dude, you have an AOL account. We know. <laughs> you kind of like the AOL account. No, it's just kind of like the- That just screams, <laughs> oh, I hate the internet when you have when someone has an AOL account. Yeah. Whenever I give the answer, it's a moment of shame. That moment of shame. You give out the AOL account. Uh, like you, there's that little pause where, you, where the person goes, so what's your uh, email address? And, uh, uh, you know, that I give the AOL account, AOL, <laughs> uh, if they're really professional, they don't say anything, but there's just, just that moment, that little like instant when they're laughing at me. So anyway, come on, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Let in the light. Good job, Gregory Pat. Good job, young man. All right. Now, Ben, earlier you mentioned uh, criticism from the left. Well, you're getting some of that at the moment from our live stream chat room. Ben, you said people should, quote, lighten up on what we're now calling Wagergate. Uh, shout out to Jay Marie. Uh, she pushed back a little bit on the live stream chat room. Oh, well, first off, Jay Marie noted, uh, boy, France Spielman stays on Lori's ass. Yes, indeed, <laughs> she does, Jay Marie. But uh, Jay Marie weighed in here, uh, basically, and Kathy as well, on the live stream chat saying, uh, you said lighten up, but their response was, but dude, you're not the mayor. She is. Valid point. So in other words, I get to be a doofus and she shouldn't be. Good point, Jay Marie and, and Kathy. You know, I guess the bar should be a little higher for the mayor. I was just trying to do full disclosure. You know what I'm saying? Like I once made a bet with someone about a Chicago uh, teacher strike and I paid the bet, Jay Marie. I just want you to know I'm an honorable man. I lost that bet. And there are those who said there were those who said that Karen Lewis led that strike just to get a free dinner out of me. There are those who said it. I think I was the one who said it. Uh, so I, at least I paid my bet. It was a great night. I love Karen Lewis dearly. But you're right. You're right. Basically, you're right. The standard should be higher for the mayor of the city of Chicago, particularly if she's in the middle of negotiations. And they should not be treating uh, the issue was so cavalierly. And, about, and I also should point out, Jay Marie, uh, that my bet with Karen was before the strike. When I really did think that Barack Obama would uh, tell Rom to cut the deal so there would be no strike. And to this day, I do not know why Barack Obama didn't do that. And at the risk of offending all my Barack Obama lovers out there, there's quite a few of them. Every time I say anything mildly about critical of Barack Obama, I get in trouble. But, you know, his lack of support for unions uh, during his administration was notable. So, yes. I guess they are correct. The, the standards should be a little higher for a mayor than for a lowly reader writer. By the way, check out Barack Obama's memoirs, huh? 800 pages or something like that. <laughs> Have you started reading it yet, T? That was your homework I'm, assignment. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm working You're still on in that. the preface, I heard. Yeah, so yeah. I heard well, I'm having trouble logging in to uh, read it online. That's my whole problem. <laughs> I can't figure it out. Remember when Barack Obama gave 100,000 copies of his his newest book to students, many of whom don't even have computers. Okay. I'll remove the paywall for all you kids to read my book. Yeah, but too bad you don't have computers to read the book. All right. We got more mayoral and city of Chicago news from betting to borrowing. Hey, Ben, uh, can I borrow $450 million? <laughs> Yeah, sure. It's in the mail. All right. Cool. Cool. Thanks. The following again comes from Fran Spielman. Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration is planning $450 million in short-term borrowing to buy time for Congress to ride the rescue of pandemic-ravaged cities. The $12.8 billion budget, narrowly approved by the City Council last week, includes plans to refinance $1.7 billion in 
and general obligation and sales tax uh, bonds and claim $949 million in savings in the first two years. That would extend the debt eight years and and return Chicago to the days of, quote, scoop and toss borrowing that former Mayor Rahm Emanuel ended, though not nearly fast enough for Wall Street rating agencies. Uh, Lightfoot also plans to borrow against future revenue from the sale of recreational and medical marijuana to avert the need for 350 layoffs and issue $1.54 billion in general obligation bonds to bankroll the first two years of her five-year capital plan. All right. Chief Financial Officer Jenny Huang Bennett said the plan to borrow $450 million either through a line of credit or a publicly offered note would cover pandemic-related revenue losses in 2020. Here's the quote from Bennett. Quote, We want we went to a debt restructuring because of the circumstances we're in due to COVID. The reason why we are looking to implement short term financing is because of the fact that we want to see whether the federal funding comes through and able and be able to avoid the cost of the debt restructuring if possible. Ben Jarofsky, I'm sick of reading this story. Your turn. Well, look, guys, that's why we call this a punt budget. As in football, when uh, you run out of downs and so you punt and hope uh, you give the ball back to the other team, hope your defense can stop them and you can uh, win, get the touchdown at a later time. And so uh, clearly uh, what the city of Chicago has decided uh, is that in the middle of a pandemic, uh, it's not prudent to raise uh, property taxes higher than they already raised them. Uh, and they have no stomach for uh, regra- more progressive forms of taxation uh, to, to get the money, s- squeeze the money out of the well to do. Uh, so what they're going to do is borrow more money and put off until tomorrow paying it back. Sooner or later, they're going to have to pay this money uh, back. And they're hoping as the police are hoping, as so many other people in Chicago are hoping, that Joe Biden and the Democrats kick money back to Chicago. And I'd just like to point out uh, to the police union and the MAGA supporters throughout the city that Joe Biden's ability to do that is really re- dependent on the Democrats winning those two Senate seats in Georgia. So if there are any MAGA supporters uh, MAGA people in the city of Chicago who work for the police department or work for the city of Chicago or work for the board of education and are hoping that there'll be money for raises or just money to hold their jobs. You might want to donate some money to we, I don't know, um, uh, the Democrats, John Ossoff's, uh, uh, campaign. Uh, uh, and, uh, because if the Democrats lose in Georgia, Joe, I don't know if Joe Biden can get that relief money through Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Senate. That's what's so bizarre about it. Republicans will suddenly, I predict, go back to the old days where they were deficit hawks and really worried about spending uh, more money that we don't have. They forgot about deficit, their deficit hawk pro- proclivities, to quote Jesse Sharkey, uh, during the Trump administration. When the deficit soared because they were giving tax tax cuts to the wealthy. But when it comes to helping cities like Chicago, suddenly there'll be deficit hawks again. So I'm just saying, Lori Lightfoot should have her whole crew of uh, city hall budget aides go down to Georgia and knock on doors for the Democrats. Because... I don't know how this aid that their city is depending on is going to come through uh, from get through Mitch McConnell's Senate. I really don't know how that's going to happen. Unless McConnell has some kind of strange uh, post-Trump change of life. So that's the reality. The reality is that we're expecting money from Washington that may not come. So if that money doesn't come, then obviously uh, the mayor will have to have another uh, reckoning with raising taxes and there could be taxes could be raised. And it's really interesting. So many of the people in the city council that voted no uh, against the budget on the grounds that they thought the $94 million tax hike was too high are some of the same people who uh, are expecting money from Washington to pay for the police contract. Well, if that money doesn't come from Washington, I don't know how to pay for the, pay for the police contract. So are, is Matt O'Shea going to vote suddenly yes for the budget, 19th Ward? 
Is Marty Quinn from Michael Madigan's 13th Ward going to suddenly vote yes for raising taxes to pay for it? I mean, you guys think this money just is going to fall from trees? You think you all support Donald Trump and the Republicans, Mitch McConnell? They starve cities like Chicago, and then you vote against a property tax hike to fund the police department? Now what? So, little sympathy for the mayor? Okay, D, I was a little harder at the start of the show, but a little sympathy for her. She's in a box. Partly she's in that box because she doesn't want to raise taxes on the wealthiest people in the city. Okay. But she's trying to navigate some very uh, difficult shoals here. And she's got um, a lot of opposition in the city council to raising property taxes. So she's going to try to hold off in the hopes that the feds will kick the money in. If they don't kick the money in, D, I don't know how she's going to pay back those loans. Uh, oh, I know how. Huh. She's going to raise property taxes. There we go. Damn. Yeah. So that's that's what that's what it means. That's that's a punt to budget. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot learned it from Mayor Rahm, and he learned it from Mayor Daley, who learned it from his daddy. Really, things don't change, folks, in Chicago. Just the names of the players change. Yeah, it's all gross, guys. And we'll end this borrowing story with a quote from an alderman. Ben, you tell us your thoughts. Here's downtown alderman Brian Hopkins. Ben of what ward? Come on, D number two. Oh, boy, nothing gets by this dork. All right, Hopkins <laughs> Hopkins said the $450 million in short-term borrowing, quote, might make sense if it's structured like tax anticipation notes that oh, are the God. lowest. Oh, you like that. The lowest cost short-term borrowing because it's all but a guarantee that the money will be there to repay the debt. But he's not certain that's how it will be structured, the quote. Uh, they're going to market very soon on this, but they're still not telling us everything. There were a lot of questions that were not answered fully with regard to the debt refinancing and the short-term borrowing. What the ultimate cost to the tax ta uh, taxpayers will be for returning to scoop and toss. Yeah, let me just say this. That's the same Brian Hawkins, and I will never tire of saying this, who is the chief cheerleader for the Lincoln Yards TIF deal. And when he talks about tax anticipation financing, that's what a TIF is. You anticipate future tax revenues, you borrow money, and then you pay it back with those revenues, oh. thus depriving the public schools of money that they would need. That's or the TAF. Parks TAF. Need. There's TIF and there's TAF. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It, it's a scam is what it is. It's called, you're going to pay for it in the end. And it's so interesting that Hopkins is so vigilant when it comes to tax anticipation for a budget you know, that would pay for street repairs throughout the city and police officers throughout the city. But when it comes to that one little TIF project in his little corner of town, that really is of no benefit to anybody except for the developers in his ward. Huh? huh? Tax hike? What tax hike? I don't see a tax hike. Do you see a tax hike? I don't see a tax hike. Come on, Brian. I don't know. Brian Hopkins, remember I said that Trump supporters or people who donate to Trump's campaign should not be allowed to get PPP. I I, I thought that was a reasonable suggestion because you have enough money to give money to Trump's legal campaign uh, to uh, dig out fraud where there was none. Then you don't need a handout from the feds. Similarly. If you voted for the Lincoln Yards uh, TIF deal, pretending it did not increase taxes on the people of Chicago, you should not be allowed to comment on any other budget-related matter uh, if you're pretending that you're worried about the taxpayers. I think that's a, a reasonable suggestion. Yeah, yeah, it's very reasonable. Very reasonable suggestion. Very reasonable. Very reasonable. Yeah. Very reasonable. yeah. All right, more on Mayor Lightfoot later as we move on to the Illinois news. But we have more news to discuss about recreational marijuana, and we have yet more proof that this state is filled with nothing but a bunch of filthy <laughs> potheads. As if we needed any you know, proof of that. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Tommy Two Joint Shuba. November sales of recreational weed surpassed $75 million for a second straight month. And one researcher believes total sales of legal marijuana, including medical cannabis, could surpass 
$1 billion by the time 2020 is over. Yes, that's billion with a B. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> the, rec- the recreational total for last month, $75.19 million, was only slightly lower than the record set in October, $75.28 million. Since marijuana was fully legalized at the start of this year, dispensaries across the state have now sold more than $580 million worth of recreational pot. Uh, this is according to data maintained by the Illinois Department of Professional and Financial Regulation. While state officials haven't released November's medical cannabis sales figures, dispensaries have already unloaded over $300 million in wow. medical weed over the first 10 months of this year. Yeah, people love their reefer, man. We knew that. We, we saw this coming. Man, I love that. For years and years, people pretended they, oh. I don't know anything about this. Hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're all buying it, you know, from their local dealer. So now they're buying it uh, from state regulated entities that are completely legal. Uh, and the city is anticipating uh, the money coming in uh, that are borrowing against it. I got a lot of issues with that. That kind of really runs me the wrong way. You know, I mean, I thought the money was going to help the people in the neighborhoods hit hardest by the war on drugs. And now the money is just like this is why people don't believe Anything the politicians tell them, they, you know, Monroe said this so well. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago, Monroe Anderson, who's been around a while. And he remembered back in the 70s, anybody over the age of 55 or so will remember this. The city, when the state instituted the lottery, they go, don't worry about this will take care of school funding. You know, they let they led people to believe that. And, and, and then guess what? It didn't. It just got absorbed into general revenues, the state lottery money. And we still needed to raise taxes for schools, property taxes, state income taxes, et cetera, and so forth. So, uh, yeah, it's the same thing with reefer. Now we have uh, another source of reefer, of of, of revenue. uh, We're going to borrow against the money coming in um, for marijuana sales. So people are thinking, hey, maybe it'll help repair the damage caused by the war on drugs. Uh-uh. <laughs> that's why people didn't. That's that. That's why people didn't uh, didn't vote for the fair tax. One reason they didn't vote for the fair tax, Monroe pointed out, is because he says have no faith uh, in our local politicians to follow up on their promises because so many promises have been broken before. By the way, I just want to say I get a shout out here since we're talking about marijuana. Uh, great interview yesterday, last night with Ricky Hendon, former alderman, former state senator. Uh, and now a political operative and a comedian and now a, a singer. Uh, he, uh, I didn't say he was a great singer, but he is a singer. Hey, he's got, he's been making music for a while. He, uh, the Ricky Hinden show, he would always play his songs. Yeah. He, uh, featured two songs on, uh, this interview. Yes. Uh, he, he, he was a little irritated me that I didn't call him a great singer, but it was, I, it was, a, a, I loved this interview. It was a blast talking to Ricky. We, we started off talking about, uh, city surreal, the Steve James movie about Chicago politics. And Ricky plays a prominent role, uh, in that movie. So we talk about the whole process of challenging, uh, candidates and, uh, the bizarre Byzantine rules that govern election ballot access and uh, his position on that. And then we got into the whole issue of uh, cannabis. Uh, Ricky wanted to uh, op- open up a cannabis operation. Remember that? He came on the show several months ago, said, predicted that this is the year he's going to open up a cannabis operation. Well, he didn't get the license. Yeah, he forgot. Weird. He forgot we lived in Illinois. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, there was a we, we did. A, we had a little converse, a, a little cannabis conversation. Uh, in addition to the City So Real conversation. And then at the end, the songs from Ricky Hennett. So you should uh, stick around to the end of the interview if you want to hear Ricky sing. Uh, and I will say this. He may not be a great singer, T, but he's a lot better than I am. That's for sure. He's a great singer. Go check out his music, everybody. In fact, uh, he, he gave us permission to play uh, his songs uh, during our breaks uh, and when we need some time to, like, fill. You know what I mean? So uh, look for Ricky Hennett's songs to be coming on the Ben Jarofsky show. I- extracted a promise from him that he would not sue us as i recall that's ex- you gonna sue us if we play these songs ricky no i promise i won't okay that's good enough for me yeah uh uh jay marie on the live stream chat she put ugh on ricky hendon you know love him or hate him it was a damn good interview and you should check it out chicagoreader.com forward slash jarofsky and wherever else you download your favorite podcast tell your friends 
All right. And uh, finally, we have an update on Madigan Gate, the time utility giants Commonwealth Edison admitted to arranging jobs, contracts, and payoffs to the associates of one Democratic Illinois House Speaker, Michael Joseph Madigan. <laughs> I don't know why I like doing that, but I do. Uh, but we have breaking news, everybody. Oh. <laughs> Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was asked her recent thoughts on our shady speaker. Is the Chicago mayor jumping on the bus packed full of Democrats ready to roll over Illinois Speaker Mike Madigan and move on? Um, yes. No. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Ben, I'll read the story and you tell us. Uh, A third France Spielman story in the local news. Yes, it's true. Mayor Lori Lightfoot didn't come right out and say it Thursday, but she left little doubt. She believes it's time for embattled Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan to give up the gavel. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, Here's the quote from Lori Lightfoot today on Speaker Madigan. Quote, Our democracy depends upon the people believing that the leaders stand for them, that we are working hard every single day on behalf of the people and not on behalf of ourselves. That is the only way that our democracy will survive and flourish. And if people have confidence in the people they elected to do the right thing for them, uh, that doesn't happen when there is a cloud that hangs. That doesn't happen when people feel like elected officials have been completely compromised and have an agenda that has nothing to do with the the people's business that's the wrong direction for any of us hmm. well, I, we, we got more we got more we got more. Oh, is there, okay, good, no, okay light lightfoot said it's hard to be an elected official and a leader during the best of times it's particularly difficult now when we're dealing with the crisis after crisis after crisis we can't hmm. do that if we don't have legitimacy of the people that elected you in the first place for the love of god yes or no do you want him to resign or not <laughs> She says, that's not just a statement about Mike Madigan. That's a statement about all of us. Is that the end? Yeah, that's it. She she just riffed. I can't give her credit. Or was that a uh, was that a a, a written statement that was released? Or did she actually say that? Like, did she deliver that as a quote? Does it say in the story? Does it indicate whether it's a written response or? I mean, it says Lightfoot said, so I'm assuming, uh, you know, you know, France Spielman, she just called her up. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what do you think about Manica? Wow. I got to give Lord Lightfoot credit. I mean, I'm assuming. That, that, that you know, who's the master of that? Uh, well, there's different ways of avoiding a direct question politicians have. Uh, and so J.B. Pritzker is sort of the master of what Lori Lightfoot did there, where you, you, you give an oration and then people forget what the question was. So the question is, uh, should Michael Joseph Madigan step down? Well, you know, it's really important that people believe in government. If you don't believe in the people who run government, Dennis, what kind of government do we have? huh? And then, you know, as my father once told me, a government is only as good as the people who run it. Did your father ever tell you that, D? By the way, I was once in Alton. Alton's a great town. Let me tell you something. There's a riverfront restaurant called Denny's Hot Dogs. Go there sometime. And then you're like, huh? What? Uh?" And then there's the uh, Tony Preckwinkle uh, version where you just (laughs) you pretend that the question asked was not the question asked and you just answer any old question. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle should Michael Madigan uh, step down? Well, I think uh, the Bears should have drafted uh, Patrick Mahomes as opposed to Mitch Trubisky. And I think all their problems have uh, resulted since then. Uh, yes, but what about Michael Joseph Madigan? I believe I've adequately answered that question. Next question. There's that one. And then there's, of course, there's the one where they go, can we go off the record? <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go off the record. Hell yeah. But I'm not going to say you think I'm stupid. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Lori Lightfoot owes her position as mayor to the opposition she took to another powerful Chicago Democrat who ran a property tax business on the side uh, that got him in trouble. And that would be one, Alderman Ed Burke. Remember that, D? Lori Lightfoot made it clear that she was the only one of the significant candidates for mayor in the 2019 race that did not have ties uh, to Ed Burke. 
Susanna Mendoza had ties to Ed Burke. Tony Preckwinkle had ties to Ed Burke. Jerry Chico had ties, et cetera, and so forth. And uh, she did not have ties. And that got her into the runoff against Tony Preckwinkle, and she obliterated Tony Preckwinkle. So that worked with Ed Burke. But, you know, Madigan, he's a powerful guy. If he survives the challenges against him, she's going to have to deal with him. So, you know, you know what I'm saying, D? It's one thing to go after Ed Burke when you're not the mayor. Uh, and it's another thing to go after Michael Madigan, the most powerful person in Springfield. So a little, you know, a little soft shoe dance there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a little confused, you know, all that ducking and dodging she did. By the way, it really reminded me of you when you're asked about Madigan Gate. Uh, but I got to know... <laughs> Is the mayor on or off the bus? I can't tell. Let me, let me rise to defend myself. <laughs> that low blow shot. Now, there's no ducking and dodging for me. It's flip flopping. Oh, I get, get my duck. Right. I get my ducking and dodging and flipping there's and flopping. Mixed ducking up. and dodging is when you avoid the question. Flip flopping is when you take a position one day that's directly contradictory to the one you took the day before, D. I think flip-flopping is more honorable than ducking and dodging. Just say. My apologies. My yes, apologies. Okay. Apologies accepted, young man. Okay. I do not want to. I wanna... mean, here's a, fl- here, here's a flip-flop. Show them how it's done, Ben. Here's how a flip-flop's done, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Now, take notes, okay? So, I've been asked, should Michael Joseph Madigan step down? Absolutely, Yes. He should step down. He's damaging the party. The party needs a break from Mad Dog. He is the reason the Democrats lost so many uh, elections downstate because the Republicans have successfully weaponized Michael Madigan and they're using it against the Democrats. End of quote. That was on Tuesday. Now, here's Wednesday. Ben, should Michael Madigan step down? You know, I've been thinking about this, and I don't think he should step down until the Republicans force Donald Trump to step down. When Donald Trump steps down, then Michael Madigan should step down. That, my friend, is a flip-flop. Not talking and dodging. <laughs> wow. <what'd> you... <laughs> it's a flip-flop noise. <laughs> That's pretty good. Although, I, last night, I was on a... Um... Oh, that is really awesome, man. I love that sound. <laughs> I did a uh, a virtual meeting with the 38th Ward Democrats. Rob Markwick, shout out to you. And Dave Feller, uh, shout out to you. Uh, and uh, Lindsay LaPointe, State Representative Lindsay LaPointe, was part of the show, too. T- guess who dropped in? Terry Cosgrove out of nowhere. TC? TC was, yeah, he was like, Ben, put your big boy pants on. Okay. Uh, and so I, you know, I said, yeah, I should step down. So I've been, like, on the step-down side of things for about a week now, D, but I'm feeling that flip-flop urge coming in. You know what I'm saying? I feel a flip-flop coming. I just got a flip-flop every now and then just to keep you honest. All right? So, mm, mm, almost there, D. I think tomorrow I may do a, an official flip-flop just for you. All right. He's a weirdo, guys. All right. That's your local news. <laughs> Remember. Wait, by the way, <laughs> I, I just got to say one thing. Frank sent me. Frank, thank you so much. I have to say this. Um, a great text, uh, excuse me, tweet. You know, I don't follow tweets, Twitter, so Frank does it for me and other people do as well. Newt Gingrich is so nervous. Newt Gingrich is so nervous about the uh, losing the uh, the two uh, senatorial seats in Georgia. Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell are totally destructive. Every Georgia conservative cares about America, must vote in the run-up. Their don't-vote strategy will cripple America. No, it won't cripple America, Newt Gingrich. It will cripple the Republican Party, which needs needs to be undercut. So I that's like that. Uh, I was laughing when I saw that. Thanks for sending it, Frank. Uh, Sidney Powell is, of course, the, the whacked out election law lawyer that Donald Trump dragged out. She was the one who remember at the press conference uh, where Rudy Giuliani was sweating profusely so much that the uh, spray that he put on his hair started yes. dripping down his yes, face. Yes, yes. And then he felt compelled to sneeze. And so he sneezed into a handkerchief and then he wiped his face with the uh, handkerchief. Boy, remember I that? Bet he just, well, she stayed in bed that day. 
I don't know. I think he kind of got off on the whole thing. It's been a really rough couple months for Rudy Giuliani. He's like one of the weirdest people in America right now. That in the Borat movie. Uh, anyway, Sidney Powell is so whacked out that the Trump lawyers legal team said, oh, you know, Sidney, maybe you should uh, step aside. And so they uh, extricated themselves from her. Uh, now she's urging Republicans not to participate in the Georgia senatorial um, election on the grounds that what the Republicans in Georgia have not supported Donald Trump enough. So I, I'm with her a hundred percent on that D I'm urging all Republicans in the state of Georgia. And many of them listen to my show, not to vote in the Senate uh, election, special election, to protest uh, the mean way that Donald Trump has been treated by Republican officials in the state of Georgia and to show their disgust and disdain for the way those Republican officials have treated Donald Trump. They should not vote in that uh, election or even better, vote for the Democrats. There, I'm with you 100%, Cindy Paul. All right, D, I see that the great alderwoman of the 33rd Ward uh, has joined us, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez. We're going to take a brief break, and we're going to bring on the intrepid alderman, the fighter for the people, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez from the 33rd Ward. We'll take a break, D, and we'll come right back with the alderwoman. 